0: Now playing in Los Angeles, exquisite food and drink, world-class art everywhere, spectacular sports, and dazzling Hollywood attractions. Yep, I'm talking about L.A. L.A. offers the full variety of a food scene, from game-changing taco trucks to 35 Michelin stars. And do you know that Los Angeles has more museums, theaters than New York? Take that, New York! Get your fix in music, film, comedy, and world-class museums. Wow, L.A. has a chip on its shoulder. Plus, get behind-the-scenes movie magic with a world-famous studio tour! That's something that should be on everybody's bucket list. Start here with discoverla.com. L.A., they say it's better than New York.
2: Hi, my name is Russell Brand and I feel nervous about being Conan O'Brien's friend.
3: Fall is here,
1: hear the yell Back to school, ring the bell Brand new shoes, walk and lose Climb the fence, books and pens I can tell
2: that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are
0: going to be friends. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Friendly little podcast that's just chugging its way along. Like a friendly little locomotive uh, with big eyes. What's that show that had locomotives that had eyes, big eyes?
1: Thomas the Train?
0: Yes. I'm like one of the little Thomas the Tank engines. I don't uh, think...
1: You are. you You've been on television for yeah. 27
0: years. You I know, a, but we're a little big podca- machine behind we're a you. Podcast now, and I think of us as a happy little Thomas the Tank Engine train. It's got those blinking eyes. I'm of course the lead engine, the crucial uh, part of the whole apparatus. Nothing moves without me. And then I uh, haul, you know, a lot of just freight behind me. <laughs> 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 I got to point out. Sona, you can hear Sona's here. Sona, you're you're like six compartments back. You're a, a fr- you're a freezer compartment that holds just uh, giant dead steers. What? Uh, yeah. That uh, sucks. I'm sorry. You're very useful. That's the only way to get the meat to the Midwest. Ugh. Uh to the Midwest, where do you think it comes from? Conan, take it easy. My point is, normally Gourley would be jumping in and objecting and saying, "You suck." And not me, man. I do a lot around here. Hey man, but
1: uh, <laughs> is he Cheech and Chong?
0: Yeah, but hey Gorley is not here today. Gorley is not with us. And how's the podcast doing? Chugging along just fine without him. <laughs> My point is that I, the lead locomotive, ejected one car. I didn't even eject it. He couldn't be here today, so it, he just fell off the tracks. I think. And uh, I'm still dragging you behind me, Sona, and uh, a bunch of other cars.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like this is more of a snowpiercer vibe to me personally. You're oh. up in the front. Right. And the riffraff is in the back, and yeah. it gets progressively worse the further back along it gets.
0: Right, and then the riffraff at the back of the train uh, makes their way up to the front of the train uh, to kill all the obnoxious people in the front. Is that the yeah. idea? Yeah,
1: that's the goal for me and Gorley is to no. get to the front. We're and more of a Thomas you. the
0: Tank Engine. I'm a big, happy tank engine with big childlike eyes who happens to be a rageaholic, and then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, it's too bad, um, obviously, because we're in these uh, odd times, to put it mildly. We're not all together. We're all recording separately. Usually we're in the same room. And I think if we were all together today, you'd be having fun with the uh, color of my face right now Mm -hmm. because I was shooting all day something uh, outside in my backyard. Obviously, we're still quarantined. So I was shooting something uh, for an upcoming project. And I was shooting it in my backyard and I forgot to put sunscreen on, which I never forget. Hmm. And at the end of the day, my head, my entire head felt like an Easter ham that had just been taken out of the oven. And then, (laughs) and then I walked in, I'm like, what is going on? And, and my wife and my, my daughter were all looking at me like, what's wrong with you? My wife thought I had been day drinking because, uh, I just had this, and I went and I looked in the mirror, and I look. My face is just a red, fat Irish tomato, and it's emitting heat. Heat is rising off my head right now, and so, uh, yeah. And I think you would all be laughing at me right now because it really looks kind of funny. It's not funny. I think I've been irradiated, and uh, this is the no, it's end. Funny. For me. Yeah, it's, it's funny. funny. It's, yeah, it's funny.
1: It is really funny. Yeah,
0: it's really, it's really. Crazy, and it just goes to show you. So, and I know that if you were in the sun all day, mm-hmm. you wouldn't get red. You would get like a nice tan,
1: right? A nice glow. I don't know about a really? glow. Really, some nice color. No, a nice uh, human. Yeah, you get.
0: You get. Yes, yeah, these nice bronze. Bronze it would be There's not a glow. A Glow is something else. I um, get a glow.
1: I get a glow. Mm. It's about, you know a no Greek, Not Mediterranean of thing. That's fine. No, no.
0: It's more of a, you get a nice, I'll tell you what you get. It's, there's like a little nutmeg in there, a little oregano, um, <laughs> some creme de cacao. It's very nice. <laughs> so
1: you get a lot of paprika.
0: Uh, I just, <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Were you in the direct sun too? Or yes, were you... I
0: was in the direct sun. Okay. And I wasn't thinking about it. I had used, this was a kind of a shade thing just to help the lighting look better. Cause I'm trying to do a lot of this by myself. And there was this like screen that I was using. It was, and someone had told me it blocks out UV light. And then later I said, does that block out UV light? And the person said, oh no, no, I just said that. <laughs> it magnifies UV light. So I was an ant under a giant, a giant magnifying glass for about three hours in my yard today to shoot this thing. And um, I smell bacon right now. I smell burning pork. And every now and then, I'll reach up to my forehead and I'll pull a little piece off and I'll eat it, and it's not bad. Oh, it's, God. It's not bad. It tastes like bacon bits.
1: <laughs> That's what I taste like. Stop it. Ew. It's like Gold Member in Austin Powers. Yeah.
0: I could take a grater and I could go into any restaurant and say, Would you like bacon on that Cobb salad? And just shred my forehead right under their <laughs> salad. Oh, my. A little God. bacon there for you, a little bacon bit for you. Uh, yeah, it's not good. I, it's, it's bad.
1: You might need to go to the doctor. That's not you even can't. a joke.
0: You don't go to that. Oh, yeah. Now's the time for me to go to the doctor. During the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic, I rush to the emergency room and I say, stop what you're doing, everybody. I feel I was in the sun a little longer than optimal. Hello? Hello? Everyone walk away from the patient they're helping to breathe and come see me and spread aloe on my celebrity face, which is slightly pinker than I would prefer. That's a great idea, Sana. That's gonna go great with everybody. Conan O'Brien killed by, by essential workers in ER. <laughs> they kill you? Yeah, they would murder me. They would say, okay, this guy's such an asshole. Excuse me. Hello, ladies, fellows. Over here and bring me aloe. It's time to cool my forehead. I was shooting a video in my yard and I didn't pay attention to the sun. What? A pandemic? Well, first things first. Get over here. I can't look like this on a podcast. They would, they would all pick up the nearest scalpel and stab me. And they would be right to do it, and the nation would cheer. The nation would be right. Anyway, no, I will not ah. rush. I will not rush now to the hospital. Okay. <laughs> I'll just wait for this face to peel off. Um no, Which it that's will. Good. I'll wake up in like in three weeks. I'll wake up and there'll be, I'll get up and there'll be another face of mine just on the pillow. Ew. Ew. Yeah. And then I can Ew. sell it on eBay. Do you want a P- on Conan face? Get your Conan face or on Etsy. I'll get it on on Etsy.
1: An Etsy?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a craft.
1: You didn't craft it.
0: My body did. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Well, we'll see. That's up to Gorley and his editing. He ever gets back here. (laughs) You know, we can't mess around because we have an excellent show. Enough of this fall to roll and foolishness. I'm sorry
1: you burned your face.
0: Yeah, that's okay. That Uh, sucks. I shall survive. No, please. It's not your fault. Put it in uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. My guest today is a uh, very excited about this gentleman. He's a hilarious comedian who is uh, starred in such movies as Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Getting to the Greek. He also hosts a podcast, Under the Skin, available every week only on Luminary at luminarypodcast.com. I have great affection uh, for this guy. Very witty, very different. Russell Brand, welcome.
2: When was the last time you acquired an actual friend?
0: Oh, well, I don't know that I have one. I mean, this is, this is really, yeah, this is, I have lots of people I say, hello, how are you? And on my birthday, they say, thinking of you, but real friend, huh?
2: I'll wager it's been close to a decade since you've spoken to someone who's not in your pay.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> you know why people are laughing so hard? Because <laughs> that has the, uh, that's an ice dagger of truth. That's what that is right there that went right through my heart. Yes, I do uh, pay people like Sona. Would you be my friend if I weren't paying your mortgage?
1: No, I would not. Would you like no. to think about it more? Um, You know, you're a lot. You can be a lot. Uh, but I would, you know what? I don't want to say a jokey thing. I would actually be your friend because you're, you're cool. You're okay. kind of cool.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, well, that was uh, that was uninspiring. You know, that wasn't the rousing speech, the Churchillian speech I wanted to hear at this moment. Russell, what do you think? I, I have the capacity to be a good friend. I know I do. But it would help if I employed you.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I reckon that would certainly make me more enthusiastic you know enthusiasm means the energy of god the presence of god in a project and i reckon if you were to pay me just a stipend just a stipend <laughs> I'm not talking about an enormous wage payment i'm not unrealistic what do i offer another narcissist who's slightly different <laughs> in ways that are I... Aren't necessarily monetizable. I'm not gonna increase your audience. I'm not gonna do anything for you. I'm not even Andy. What's the point? You're acquiring sidekicks at a rate of knots. Your sidekicks are subdividing. There probably be another sidekick on that panel by the end of this fucking conversation.
0: You're right, you're right. I'm sorry, Russell. Please, please stop yelling at me. It's
2: and this is not a criticism of you. I love you.
0: Well, oh, I, I love you as well, and I mean that. I, uh, I've been an admirer of yours for many years, and I will, be, I will pay you a stipend. I think that's what we call it, stipend. You said stipend? How
2: do yeah, you say stipend, it? stipend. And what I'd Just, like you to do is to for a moment reflect on what the language you speak is called and then determine who's <laughs> correct on that basis.
0: I speak, I speak West Los Angeles Queens English. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna tell you that I grew up in, uh, this just comes to mind, but I grew up uh, just outside Boston and I grew up visiting my grandparents in Worcester and going to Sturbridge and driving through Cambridge and Needham and Framingham And then later on, as a young lad, I started to read about England. And I honestly thought that you guys took those names from us. I really believed it. (laughs) And I was, I thought, who the fuck are they to be taking our town? I remember voicing that to someone and them correcting me and me feeling ashamed. But uh, anyway, I just grew up with that narcissistic American belief that we created everything. It was we who did it. And then you guys copied us and somehow got hold of a time machine.
2: I suppose that's the kind of certainty that's required to build an empire. If like America had no self-confidence, if America thought, I'm not sure that this is right. How do you, for example, I don't know, fund international wars against your ideological opponents unless there's a sort of certainty that you're right. And I'm not suggesting this is unique to American people or the American nation because Britain did it for, you know, a good few centuries as well. The, The assumption of correctness, correctness of our perspective, which is one of the things that we're seeing now, this sort of fragmenting of the of the presumed universal as identity politics is on the rise, rage in politics on the rise, a sense of well, who are we? What is it to be an American anymore? And why the hell are there so many places called Cambridge?
0: Okay, well, listen, (laughs) I'm going to say two things, Russell. First, Russell is uh, is in England right now. And I am, usually I like to do these, we like to do these, uh, these interviews in the same room, but because of the uh, international pandemic. What? Uh, the, yes, you'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> hang on, I'll tell you more. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are doing this uh, over uh, a Zoom line and I'm watching Russell as he drinks probably the largest bottle of water I've seen in the last... Mm, easy 20 years. Uh, but um, I'm going to say two things, Russell. First, I'm going to say this: the moment I sense even the slightest atom of anti-American sentiment, this interview is over. Because uh, I won't have that. Not on this show. This show is very pro-American, uh, jingoistic. And, and second of all, I agree with everything you just said. I think uh, on, a ser- on, a, on a slightly serious note, I think blind certainty has probably driven most of mankind, I'm not saying for the better, but just in a direction. The certainty that that we deserved this continent and that anybody in our way should die, that uh, that made everything happen and led to the McDonald's arch. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good thing. I think it's probably a bad thing, but it's what happened. And, and as you said, uh, you guys did it before us uh, and the French did it, the Romans did it, uh, everybody did it, it's the imperative. I am certain.
2: Yeah, I think that the certainty begins even before the verb in the sentence. It begins with the I. What is this perspective from which we observe things that to which we immediately apply a lens, a lens of preferences? I like this. I dislike that. What is this I? Man, I've been spending a lot of time on my own, Conan. As I know. know. I
0: could. I could <laughs> tell. You immediately have. Have you immediately have gone to? You know, most people spend, uh, at least on my podcast, at least spend at least the first 15, 20 minutes talking about, you know, what kind of genes they prefer or their diet or something about their career. You, within seconds, went to what is I, (laughs) 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 which I admire. That's uh, something I admire.
2: What is receiving the senses? what what is behind the lens conan i mean what's happened is i think i've like i've not required as much therapy because you know i'm not going out as much so i'm not talking to people if i'm not talking to people i don't require as much therapy i don't require as m- many support groups but What's happened is, is I've drifted into this sort of low-level, lethargic state of constant reflection and dismantling, you know, meditate like through meditation. The only thing that keeps me normal is the fact I've got two young daughters yep. and there's, there's no room there for any of this existential inquiry. Simply wipe up the urine. That's
0: all that's required. <laughs> <laughs> that happens again later in life, Russell. I'm just telling
1: you.
0: Uh, I'm a bit older than you, and I'm telling you that there's another phase of <laughs> where, is the, where did this urine come from? But we'll get into that later. You know, I had the experience of when my first child was born. I have two children. They're a bit uh, older than your children. My children are in their mid-60s. Uh, but <laughs> my daughter, when she was born, my first child, I remembered she was born, and I was right there and it helped take the baby out of, of my wife and cut the umbilical cord. Uh, much more involved than I wanted to be. Um, (laughs) I wanted to be watching it all on Skype from a five-star hotel hundreds of miles away. But um, (laughs) what happened was I received this this baby and my immediate thought was, oh, I don't matter anymore. And Mm -hmm. I thought that in a positive way. Like that was the time that I felt this thing lifting of, I mean, clearly I'd been on a journey since a youth to, I sometimes walk around our offices and it's just filled with fan artwork and giant posters that say Conan and Conan and Conan and Conan and the show's called Conan and I would make all my employees brand Conan under their ass. So I've been driven by this something and then uh it really did bring me a long way towards oh fuck it, I don't matter is when my my children were born. That helped a lot.
2: Yeah, it's um I've uh, one of the things I'm thinking about a lot at the moment during my mental breakdown is the appearance of the sacred in the ordinary. And I suppose what the way that many of us experience that is is through the birth of our children, the disruption Mm -hmm. of every day, but even this interruption that we're globally experiencing is a, 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 an opportunity to reflect on what we assume is normal. Like now that going to a supermarket say has become this, bizarre fantastical experience this sort of odd Balkanized trip to the supermarket to metres as a part it's made me realize supermarkets are are always strange. All of civilization is strange. We're living um, amidst so many strange assumptions. Uh, it's so seldom now in this the fragmenting times that I've already referenced that there is a kind of certainty, like the certainty of knowing that you love a child. The the recognition in that moment of oh yeah, I don't really. I don't really matter. And for that to feel like a positive thing, because I imagine you've grappled with the idea of not mattering quite a lot. I mean, how else? Uh, what, how dare what you? Else? How dare you, sir? <laughs> uh, no, come how on. Dare how dare you? How dare you, sir? How dare you?
0: How can you be? Oh, surely uh. only, you must. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I was wearing a monocle right now so it could fall out. Shock- registering surprise. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, well, I mean, I, I think we have this in common. I don't understand anybody who could possibly be in comedy who didn't have a very anxious uh, and somewhat unsettled childhood. That started working so furiously at an early age that now I, uh, I live in a, I'm like a Batman villain. I live in a lair and mm. everything, I'm just surrounded by my name in large type. And everybody's working on the Conan project. And you're like, oh Jesus. So this, and I think you had a, a little bit of a similar feeling in childhood. You were not always the Russell brand we see.
2: No, I was a right anxious, nervous, ferrety little boy, twitchy little creature.
0: Would you gnaw through wiring?
2: If I got access to wiring, my incisors were straight in it. Otherwise, the (laughs) damn things, they they keep on growing. They keep on burrowing down little ivory little spears. (laughs) The amount of calcium I'm
0: going (laughs) through. So you were an anxious kid.
2: Yeah, very much. And I I was trying to, I want to know when you felt that anxiety abate. The first time I, like, listen, this is pretty telling, like, I suppose, uh, like the first times I felt aligned, connected, or like I was good at something first was being in a school play and people laughing and thinking, oh my God, I'm good at something. And then just a few years later on the streets of Patpong, Thailand, when some uh, sex workers Left their post, Conan, to f- pursue me at 16 down the street. And my dad looked approvingly.
0: Let's examine <laughs> that moment. They just like the cut of your jib.
2: They left their posts. A sex worker must never leave their post. Not on the in the Pat Pong district. <laughs> the, those posts are hard won. Those bitches. <laughs> but no, they came after me. And I remember feeling terribly fulfilled by the whole experience. Not uh, carnally or even... Uh, concupiscently oh my god yeah (laughs) fantastic just fantastic thank you you so much Ah, that's the approval i live for but just for for the i in fact i i would argue that all uh, addictive behaviors or habitual behaviors and i reckon you're a workaholic are a a sort of um you know personal strategy for dealing with feelings of inadequacy and worthlessness and it's no coincidence that i perhaps went on to act out a lot sexually you know i think given that original impulse not to mention certain obvious other uh drives should yes. we call them let's just call them yeah. drives go yes
0: yes yes we'll leave that uh no i uh <laughs> i've never been pursued by sex workers uh at any age uh and i've never had them leave their posts for me uh the sex they workers, stay in
2: their station do they yes
0: the sex workers go by, they we, remain
2: at their station
0: the, here's what I think, Russell. I think I'm equally attractive as you. I just think that I encounter sex workers that take their profession more seriously and will not leave their post. I think they are just as enraptured by me as those sex workers were by you. The,
2: the Hippocratic oath of sex work, of do no wrong and do not leave your post, is, is absolutely vital. These, these sex workers that you've been parading past, I'm troubled. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're, they're a, a, a higher quality, clearly. And I see us as, yeah, you and I are identical, give or, t- give or take a few drops of pigment.
0: Yes, yes, you have a nice, uh, I envy you. You have that, uh, that jet black hair. I know that you can tan up very nicely. You have that olive skinned hue. I am a, a, a white rice pudding that has just started to turn, has just started to go bad.
2: I think you're beautiful and you look like those uh, those when they do like that opera in Japan where they have lovely white faces.
0: K- you're talking about kabuki. Yes, kabuki.
2: Yes. I'd say that you're sort of Irish kabuki. Celtic yes. kabuki with Conan. <laughs> yes.
0: Now there's an item. I'm
2: already playing off my stipend. Celtic kabuki with Conan.
0: Yes, see? This is and Sona, for God's sake. Give it a bit of femininity. Yes. Stippend. you'll get your stipend you'll get your tuppence. you get your you'll get your farthing I'll buy you that goose in the window on christmas day Today, sir uh, Christmas day uh I can't help it, and I'm going to hell um but uh yeah, I think I remember my memories of of being in the schoolyard and I had found a cane and I was doing some bits with it, some shtick. and i crossed one leg over the other, knocking the cane out accidentally, a la Chaplin, and fell over, and a bunch of kids laughed. That is in 3D high def in my mind, and I can't remember my wedding day. So uh, <laughs> this is the sadness of the whole thing. But I remember very clearly thinking, oh, that's the way through, that's how I'll make it.
2: Yeah, and to to our earlier point about certainty, the, this, this moment that you're describing, I think, has been characterized as uh, like sometimes as epiphany or connection or meeting the daemon or the spirit or the djinn. Just in some moment, recognizing this is who I am. This is what I'm about. I'm not just um, a featureless Celtic Kabuki fella. I'm a, <laughs> a, a man with purpose and, a, and an ability to carry off. I admittedly plagiarized physical piece of comedy
0: yes well put from one of the greats uh, charlie <laughs> chaplin so i'll do that uh you know um yeah it's funny because i have a very vivid memory of the first time i met you uh you were becoming a very talked about comedian and you came on my uh late night show in new york's in new york and i had seen clips of you performing and i thought well he's very funny and he's very different and i went backstage just before you came out and you were pacing like a lion in a cage. You were pacing. You were worked up into a state and you were pacing and you came out and you perched on the furniture and you were so in the moment. And it was hilarious. It was really funny. But I remember thinking this guy approaches this in this life or death way. And I prefer this to the kind of casual guy puts out his cigarette walks out there does his thing. I don't know if you have if, if that was the way you always were backstage, but I remembered that moment very clearly.
2: Like you with your story with your cane when you was a kid, I felt very connected to comedy. It's felt like something that's always been there for me, always been real for me and has made being who I am something bearable and like something that, you know, it's been hard. I've hell. you know, like amidst the narcissism and the self-aggrandizing shtick, I've been you know like had a lot of mental health issues and mm-hmm. drug issues, which I've obviously banged on about and, and metastasized into all sorts of frankly money. But like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But, it's been lucrative. Russell, 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 all of us. I mean, first of all, you shouldn't feel bad about that. You have you have made your pain lucrative you have and and that is the essence of what we
2: do (laughs) i've had some very lucrative mental illnesses (laughs) everything you do becomes monetizable like and as a person that was really famous for a little bit it was weird to be caught in that tundra in that tunnel in that you know because and i still sometimes want it i still sometimes think wow You should be a bit more famous, actually. You should be being in more films on some bigger posters and stuff. And then I remember it actually made me feel physically sick and ill the whole time. But, you know, I don't know what to do with these drives anymore, man.
0: The one thing that I almost feel is like my duty as a human being is to try and tell as many people as I can that uh, fame in and of itself is a clear broth with absolutely no nutrition.
2: It's hardly um, surprising that so many people have it, given its ubiquity. And even um, your description of fame as a broth, I would query. I think it's completely, I I would say it's more like a synthetic saliva, a foaming synthetic saliva
0: (laughs) (laughs) made outside
2: of the body. Um,
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, why can't we agree that, yes, mine is a nutritionless broth, Yours is a foaming saliva made outside the body. Why can't we say that it's a, it's a saliva made outside the body consisting of a nutritionless broth? Why can't we agree? Why, am I, why is my ego now asserting itself that I can't be wrong about the broth and that you have to give me some credence on the broth?
2: Fuck if you, you and I can't find some peace over this broth-stroke-synthetic saliva hydra that we're making right now with our minds then what hope is there in the Middle East? What hope is there in fragmented America? What hope is there in post-Brexit Britain? What hope is there that this coronavirus will lead to some kind of global awakening where we recognise we're living in synthetic systems, much like that synthetic saliva, which could never be compared to a broth, in my view?
0: (laughs) Damn you! Damn you you won that round. All right. They would kill to be an incredibly cool influencer, and uh, to be going out with uh, any, you know, uh, any Hadid, you know, uh, if they were age appropriate.
2: Killing could be a good angle, perhaps a, a spate of
0: indiscriminate
2: <laughs> slayings.
0: Yes. Yes, murder. photographs of those slaves? Yes, has has there been an Instagram murderer yet? Not that would yet, be a-
2: Conan. Not yet.
0: Not yet.
2: And I said, right then, we've got ourselves a number one record.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll remember this moment. But
0: that's all of us. All of us are. You could get ten thousand great reviews online, but this is why I don't go anywhere near this stuff. But uh, and then one person says. I don't know. I think he sucks. And that's what you're going to be thinking about as you drift off to sleep.
2: I think what you're describing is zing hyperinflation, which occurred in Germany after the Treaty of Versailles, after yes. the Second yes. World War. So in a sense, this is we, true. Can, we can blame the Allies, for like a big wheelbarrow full of zings. And what you get? A loaf of bread. It's probably not yeah. even that nice. Certainly not sourdough. Yeah. No,
0: it's a well-known historic <laughs> fact that after World War uh, I resolved uh, that... Uh, the Allies imposed too harsh a penalty uh, on, uh, on Germany, and, uh, and, and it led to the collapse of their currency, the Zings. And that, <laughs> later, that resentment of Zing loss later on uh, and Zing hyperinflation <laughs> led to World War II. So uh, this is all leading to another cataclysm if we're not careful.
2: One plucky little guy saw an opportunity there in that <laughs> absence of Zings and thought... I can really start corralling the zings if I can get my costume right.
0: Did you just describe Adolf Hitler as a plucky little guy? That's, that is, that is. I watch a lot of history documentaries, I read a lot about the Second World War. Never, ever have I heard anyone describe Adolf Hitler. Uh, arguably, uh, in in the running with Stalin as one of the worst despots of any century as a plucky little guy.
2: It's very easy to focus on the negative.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) so let me get this straight then. Uh, uh, what would Stalin, what would Stalin be if Adolf Hitler is a plucky little guy? What is, what is Stalin? Is, uh, is he uh, a kindly old man with a bit of a, a little bit of a hitch in his step? What would you say? I, w-
2: I think he's an adorable old uncle, uh, <laughs> a, 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 a broom-snouted living cuddle.
0: <laughs> I would love to hear. Your history of the 20th century uh, with <laughs> everyone described, oh, Mao, ooh, twinkling his, kind of twinkling his eye, Mao. and uh, A sympathetic
2: had, uh... look at dictators.
0: Yeah, no, but you're right. You're right. Hitler, if you think about it, if you really want to get, he, uh, he capitalized on people's anger over negative zings uh, and tried to hyperinflate positive mm-hmm. zings. This analysis will end up, I'll do, I'll go to prison. I think probably ultimately for this analysis
2: sooner or later. So, yes. So like, I mean, the sign wrap up was held aloft. I think somewhat in response of, of our um, repositioning of Adolf Hitler as a plucky little guy, rather than, you know, one of history's great monsters.
0: Well, what we're just seeing is the other side of the coin. That's all. And I, I, I know that there'll be letters written, uh, because I think it's 1925. That's right. That letters. I know that disapproving letters will be written and put in the post, I think, as you like to say, Russell. Yes, yes, that's
2: uh, that's one of our idioms. They're all our yes. idioms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you get on the lift or you get on an elevator?
2: I get on the lift.
0: Do you go to the bathroom or do you go to the loo?
2: I go to the lavvy. I say, sir, I want to go to the lavvy or the water closet. If someone says, do you mean the bathroom? I roll my eyes and just pass a stool there and then in my trousers. <laughs> Don't <laughs> so, be so horribly euphemistic.
0: <laughs> now you're
2: gonna have to deal with a smear on your linoleum.
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Can I
2: cannot ask Good you Lord. a serious
0: question quickly? Here it is. Yes. It's,
2: even though we've seen that sign saying wrap up, this is what it is.
0: Oh don't pay attention to it. they have no power over us. Just because you saw on Zoom one of my producers roll his eyes past a stool and hold up a wrap it up sign
2: that gentleman uh, has his own microphone and s- several banjos <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's matt gorley those are uh, yeah he has that authority
2: i've been uh, deputized so this is just a suggestion you guys do
0: what you need to do there was Good. a
2: question mark actually i didn't pay full attention to the grammar it didn't it didn't yeah. have an exclamation mark wrap up or ellipses right. wrap up into the limitless abyss of nothingness. It was wrap up. <laughs>
0: wrap this up. is
2: my least
0: favorite part of the job. I hate doing this part. Yeah. Just so you don't worry, we despise you as well. Uh... I know, I know. <laughs> Please, I didn't mean that. That was just a, a simple and crude jab. Russell, what's your question?
2: Even though you may be the physical opposite of, uh, of that plucky little guy from the 30s and 40s, in terms of your nature, you are his twin. Now the the question <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you get no argument from anybody in my camp there.
2: You've been the longest serving, and I don't mean to compare it to a prison sentence, late night talk show <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: in America. Why do you think there is such consistent visual grammar? Why do you think that the late night talk show is such a constant in American cultural life? What does it say? The desk, the cityscape, or even variations on it, such as your own f- full lunar revelation what does it mean why is it, why is it like that why is that type of television so important what role does it play what is america being told about itself by those shows
0: you know it's interesting uh, i've thought about this a lot the late night talk show a lot of people don't know this but it came to life or it was uh it, it sprung up out of network television came along and they realized well this is quite profitable and then one person said hey at uh, 11.30 at night, everything just goes dark. What if we just threw something on there and it didn't cost that much to make? We might make some money off of it. And so literally it's the, the analogy is that it was people living in a house and they one day realize we've got a huge attic <laughs> that we could just do whatever we want with. There's no pressure. Uh, and who cares if it works or it doesn't? And that's where you get, Steve Allen starts to mess around with it, and he's an inventive guy. And you, watch, you, you look at those old tapes, and they're literally just killing time. They're literally, I mean, they're doing some very inventive things and some very funny things. But especially in the early episodes in the 1954, 55, 56, 10 minutes can go by where they're just sort of discussing, oh, I found this today in a shop, and look at this. You wind it up, and isn't that interesting? Look at that. It just sort of goes. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I found that in a shop. And uh, Chesterfield cigarettes, by the way. That's a good cigarette. it got a cool <laughs> menthol flavored, You know, and that's what they would do. And then there'd be some comedy, but a lot of time killing. And those shows went on for two hours. Sometimes they just went on forever. And then through the years, it got refined and refined. And what happened is the space in the attic became insanely lucrative. And so that just led to... I mean, Johnny Carson was on for 30 years. And if you think Jack Parr and Steve Allen are on for uh, between them 10 years before that, uh, there's there's 40 years and then uh, these other hosts come along. There's, there's Letterman who's doing the sort of anti-talk show. But even to do the anti-talk show, you need the same visual reference points, which is it's, it's something that was so anarchic about what David Letterman did is it looked kind of like Carson, but th- it was demented, you know, there was a desk and there was a band, but it was all slightly off. And he was slightly off. He wasn't wearing the this, he was wearing a suit a suit jacket and a tie, but he was also wearing tennis sneakers with it. And the whole thing had a weird feel to it. And it was on even later than most talk shows. It was on at 1230. And so that's when people of my generation who had grown up with Carson, we saw Letterman. But I think it's almost uh, this idea that I actually kind of believe in myself when I was doing, my sh- uh, doing the late night show is I always wanted these symbols of normalcy to be there. Uh, I wanted the desk to be there and the sidekick and for it to sort of appear normal. And that would make the strangeness even much more strange. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it needed, I needed the straight line in order to then depart from it. Does that make sense what I just babbled?
2: Yeah, it's weird though, isn't it? Because it's the emergence of like, I understand it was economically driven as, as, you know, to, to my earlier point, most things are economically driven and economically sustained. And if they can't operate under those terms, it doesn't matter how good they are, or if they're good, the metric by which good is established is an economic one i can see that that's its point of origin and that but it's a it's peculiar to me and that's probably this could apply to any emergent form that the the consistency of there is the desk there are the chairs there is the cityscape it, You know, most regular right. most usually it's a male like like it's like it, yep. It's, yep. it's sort of a significant beam in the architecture of your country. You know, if you were showing a montage of America, along with the aforementioned McDonald's arches and Elvis Presley and Hendrix or whatever, like you would, at some point you would demonstrate these figures that come out that do the monologue in front of the curtain. Like it's sort yeah. of like it's, um, yeah. it's saying something about America and I wonder what it is. And I, I, I wonder like that there can be like you said, like yourself or Letterman, there can be pretty challenging and you know, definitely very, very funny uh, comment and content on there but it's still somehow it's a an establishment form it's an understand- yeah, and, and yeah. not least because you say like it's the whole thing is held together by you know m- marketing and that's not something that's not yeah a but it's criticism.
0: changing it's changing a lot i mean it's changed a lot in the last uh it used to be that there were two or three i mean there used to be one show years and years and years ago then there were two then there were three and then it just exploded. And because of cable and because of streaming and because of just the ubiquity of ways of entertaining people, there's now so many shows. It's I think it's going through a huge transformation. Like I think they used to be strictly comedic uh, or they were thought of as entertainment. and And now I think more and more of them are about There's more and more punditry in late night. They get angry and they say, hey, uh, I don't really like what the president said today. And there's, sometimes you watch it and you think like this is drifting from comedy to just opinion and anger. And some people really like that. And, uh, but it's just morphed. You wouldn't see that. I don't think you'd see that 15, 20 years ago. You might see tones of it, but would all be couched in comedy as there are times where I can watch someone on late night and then I can watch MSNBC and there doesn't seem to be that much of a difference. You know, they're both angry about what the president did today. And so I think it's morphing a lot. I don't think we'll have again what, what we in, the, in America had in the 1970s and 80s, which is one person put us to bed at night, which sounds creepy. man, <laughs> an, older, an older man would put us, us to bed. Uh, but it was one guy. And he was the most famous person in America. Uh, You know, he was arguably more famous than the president at at any given time, Johnny Carson. And then uh, I don't think we'll ever see that again, because there's currently, I think, 900 talk shows in America. No one person has that power.
2: 900 of them. And I still couldn't make one work, Conan, in spite of your willingness to attend a production meeting and give me a, a, a helping hand, which I will always remember and appreciate it seems to me that your reco- your key devotion then is to the comedy that you, I don't, I notice that you're careful not to be critical of people that use it for, as a place for punditry, but that's, is that, that's not what interests you. And I don't, I don't get the sense that that is because you want to maintain some ambiguity as not to deter. Audience. No,
0: no, no. I just, I, I have, uh, I have, I, I bow to the God of comedy. Uh, mm. And that's the cross I'll die on. Uh, he said, mixing metaphors. Uh, but I, 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 I Very much, to me, it's, is this funny? And uh, is it silly? And does it, my favorite things, I think, would be funny to an adult and to a child. And uh, those are my favorite kinds of comedy. Even going back to when I was a kid and I uh, did a a, a cheap sight gag by knocking a cane out of the way and falling down uh, accidentally, Uh, I... I think I was always drawn to silliness. I, I love Pink Panther, uh, Peter Sellers. There's just a commitment to it's laughing at pomposity and a silly man. Uh, it, that's, that's always the way that I'm going to go. And um, that's, that's the thing that gets me up in the morning and keeps me in this business uh, as the I always think when people say, oh, you're the longest, you know, serving talk show host, it always sounds like you've stayed at the party too long. <laughs> I don't think anyone should get credit for, you've stayed at this party longer than anyone, Conan. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. I'm drunk and I don't want to drive home.
2: <laughs> yeah, I like that. It seems to me that you've got an appetite for the the universal and the thing that in common, like, I think a lot about some of the great comics that, I uh adore and admire say for example yeah you know like sellers or the british comedian tommy cooper but there's you know countless comedians is i feel like there's a sort of a sense and i think you have this actually uh, of alluding to a secondary ever present frequency that we're all aware is constantly there that we're all playing our roles in like hello i'm me this is important i've got to get this done and at any moment you can peek behind the veil and go this is ridiculous none of this matters it's all we're we're all dying it's all falling apart there's something sort of very beautiful about that i think
0: well it's just just uh i think silliness gets dismissed a lot as as just that being silly, oh, that's just silly. It's not important. And I think, well, there's nothing more important than silliness. And some of my favorite kinds of comedy, I was just showing my kids this the other day because I absolutely loved it. But it's from one of, it's maybe the fourth Pink Panther film. Peter Sellers is is Inspector Clouseau and he comes in and he's upstairs in this mansion. He's told the butler, assemble everybody because I want to question them. I want to question everybody in the, uh, about the murder. So they're all assembling downstairs and he's upstairs walking around and then he sees these parallel bars. And anyone can look this up. It's just a great, great piece of just comedy with a capital C. And he gets on the parallel bars and he's wearing his full trench coat or I think in his hat. And he's, he's saying, ah, yes, I was, this, I was quite the master of the parallel bars. And he's, <laughs> he's doing all this kind of pompous back and forth. And then he goes for the dismount and you haven't noticed this, but there's a stairway there that goes downstairs and he does a dismount and just falls out of frame. And then you cut to the room where all the people are assembled and he tumbles into frame (laughs) (laughs) and it's hilarious. And then he stands up and refuses to acknowledge that he just fell down a full flight of stairs and immediately launches into this kind of aggressive, assholic questioning of this. And I think like, okay, If anyone asks me what I'm about, it's that. I just love that. That whatever Peter Sellers did right there, that it doesn't get better than that.
2: Thank you. It's very beautiful. I was thinking that, how do you write that? You know, how do you write that? It's like with language and words, you're spotting patterns. You just keep talking, something will come in the end. But how do you have the sort of perspective of, right, we'll set up parallel bars unseen in the frame will be that it's going to fall. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It's just, (laughs) uh, it's just pomposity immediately revealed, but then uh, he refuses to acknowledge it and goes right to, you madam. You know? <laughs> I mean, anyone else in their right mind would leave the room humiliated, but no. Clouseau goes on the on the attack immediately. Yeah, you know, I uh, we should probably, you know. Be did friends. you get everything? Yes, that would be really nice. Actually, I know we live I'm going to calculate 6000 miles apart.
2: Yes. But the human heart is a powerful organ, as is the human genital.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, then, uh, yeah, love does conquer all. Uh, so we will we'll be friends.
2: I'm a bit more fretful in real life.
0: Yeah, I know, but you'll be fine. All we'll right. be friends. We'll be friends. And I'll say this, I think one of the reasons, because I have the visual of you right here in my face uh, on screen, and it's been very calming to talk to a circa 1977 George Harrison. You're, you've really looked exactly like him at this phase right now and i found like and he was the most i think centered uh, uh and spiritual of of the beatles and i've i i keep thinking every now and then because the visual is so convincing yes george harrison circa 1977 it wants to be my friend
2: I, I live just around the corner from Friar park where george harrison spent the later part of his life and where he died actually i'm friends with danny his son and um you know uh I I love George a lot. He like when he he sort of it's like he got bored of fame at about (laughs) twenty. Like he was about twenty years old. He thought, "Oh, this is bullshit." I get it. Yeah, I I love George Harrison. I think he was. I know that. I
0: I, I've uh, I know Danny a bit, and I uh, he's always been lovely to me. And he gave me a tour of that house. Oh wow, uh, it's an amazing place, huh? So I've been uh, I've been over there, and that's a lovely lovely part of England, just gorgeous. I had a very funny experience, just we'll wrap up on this, and, uh, which is, I may have mentioned this once before on the podcast, but it's too perfect. I was in London about seven years ago. Someone booked me a reservation at a place called Chilton Firehouse. Mm. And I didn't know anything, but apparently that's where people go to get their picture taken. And so I'm at Chilton Firehouse, meeting, I think, a, a, an executive at Turner who had booked the reservation. And we have our dinner and I walk out and there's about 70 paparazzi there, you know, sort of London paparazzi. And one of them took a picture of me. So suddenly all the lenses came up and 75 lenses uh, of, you know, flash bulbs started flashing, 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 flashing. You know, like that footage you see of Princess Diana, you know, not long before she died, just anywhere she went, just flash, 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 flash. And I had that split second of being a famous person in London and then started to turn to walk up towards, to find a cab up the street and all the flashes stopped. And I realized, uh, and and one guy in the crowd in a thick accent said, Hey, who the fuck are you? (laughs) 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 And I realized in that second that one guy out of 75 said, he looks like someone I, you know, he, he looks like some Belgian actress. This one guy fired off his camera, which caused all the other mouse traps to fire off. And then they all were like, (laughs) these guys didn't know. I mean, they might know more now because of the, whatever the, but they still wouldn't care. And, and, and this one guy shouted, who the fuck are you? And I just thought I'd make a joke. So I said, I am a male model in, uh, from Berlin. And they were like, ah, fuck off. And it was just this great, that is a great encapsulation of the sudden rush of, wow, look at me, all these flash bulbs going off. I'm George Michael in London circa 1987. And then immediately, who the fuck are you? (laughs) And then walking up the street in the dark to find a cab. That's the essence. Of the broth, not saliva. (laughs) Don't you dare. Don't you dare try to go out on that insipid broth. No, I win again. I always win.
3: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
3: ba da ba ba
1: In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Conan, are you game to answer some questions we have from some of our listeners?
0: Of course. I love and respect our listeners. Mm-hmm. And I'm always here for them.
1: Oh, okay, that's very sweet.
0: Uh, and uh, I want to answer all of their questions with great candor.
1: Okay. Uh, the first question is from at C Massey C. Dear Sona, do you need a break?
0: A break. A break from what?
1: From you, obviously.
0: From me, what are you talking about? We've been shut down. We're not doing shows. You are in, what is this place called? What is Ugh. it? Altadena. Yes, it's I Altadena. I can't find, by the way, I've bought many maps of California. I can't find one that says Altadena. Um, but anyway. Hey,
1: well, who who buys maps these days? Just look on your phone. I get and them from
0: an old guy named Gus. Yeah? Yeah, he has a, an old filling station.
1: Is your map dealer? That's cool.
0: He has good maps. Anyway, you live <laughs> Not far, far away yeah. in Altadena.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you- Not that far. Pretty far. Not that far. Yeah. Okay. Long time. probably. Okay. Not that far. All right, no, go ahead. There are no birds there. Can't yes, get there. I need a break. Birds can't yes. get to Altadena.
1: The answer is yes.
0: The only way a bird can get to Altadena is if it takes an Uber. Uh, you're not working right now.
1: Yes, I am.
0: I mean, right now you and I are doing this podcast, but this is 1% of our day. Most of the time you are home and you're yes. with your dog, Oki. Right. And you're chilling it with your main squeeze, your husband, Uh huh. tech, Chakesian. You can't just
1: take someone's first name and then add Ian at the end of it, and then say that that's just their last name. That's not how Armenian name works.
0: Cher's are Armenian, and her initial, her real name is Cher Cheririan. That's. It's a true it's, story.
1: Oh, it's a true story. Yep. So it's true if you say it is. Okay. Well, anyway. Yes, I need a break. From what?
0: You're at home all the time. You must be dying to get back to work.
1: No. I like this distance from you.
0: Oh, you I'm sorry, you just say that you like this pandemic? Why don't no. you say that? Okay. Is that what don't you said? That. Okay. No, I didn't. I, said I don't. I, li- I don't. I'm against it. I want everyone to be well. What's your position? You're the other position?
1: Oh, you're the position that you don't like the pandemic. Okay, that's good. Yeah,
0: and then you're arguing the other side. Now you do your part. No <laughs> How are you pro pandemic?
1: The only good thing about this pandemic is that I don't have to see you every day. You're exhausting, and you know that. So yeah, I need a break. I need a break. Now, because I feel like I didn't have a break for a long time, so it's like residual Conan is still in my life, and uh, I need a break from that.
0: You must miss me, though. The 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 day in and day out back and forth we have that sort of Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn, two people that been dead for a while. You know that kind of yeah, thing. That's that a kind really of kem- good. That kind of chemistry
1: reference. Yeah. Oh, Could sorry. You have thought of an older reference.
0: So, okay, if you wanted me to relate to the kids today, Seals and Croft. You know. Uh there you go.
1: Um, Wait, what? who are they? Who is that?
0: So they were the big hit makers of the 70s, Seals and frogs.
1: Oh, props. okay. Can you think of people who are deader?
0: Oh, that's, you know, that, Yeah, I know what young people listen to. They're listening to like Loggins and Messina, you know? I know what's happening out there.
1: <laughs> oh, my
0: God. And when it comes to rap, the old salt and pepper. <laughs> so don't tell me I don't know what's happening right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I need a break.
0: Well, you'll get it.
1: What, how, what does that mean?
0: I mean, there'll be a, we'll phase you out somehow. I just don't know how to do it. Trying Did to, you? for years. Oh, Trying okay. To.
1: Aren't you in a position of power to fire me? You can't just fire me?
0: I've looked into it.
1: There is so much you.
0: You are a you. barnacle that just really is hugging onto that. We've taken the boat out of the ocean. We've put it up uh, in dry dock. We've chiseled away at this one barnacle, and we can't get it off the hull of the boat. Because it says, I'm Sona, and I'm sticking around. Do you like that analogy? You're now a barnacle That's on the terrible. SS Conan.
1: What a terrible thing to say. On yes. the SS Conan.
0: Yeah. I'm the shit. I need a break. I need I'm a the break. Ship. You're the barnacle. I need a break. Let's take another question.
1: Okay. At Lurbin says, if you had to fire Matt or Sona, who would you choose? Matt. Oh.
0: I'm sorry, did I say that too quickly?
1: You know, now that he's not here, I'm gonna say I'm cool with it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you and I have been together a long time. Matt Gorley. I meet him like a year ago, literally. They walked into a room. They said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I said, maybe. They brought in a giant box that said producers on it and they opened it and a bunch of producers fell on the floor. (laughs) And he was the one that rolled closest to me. And I said, I guess this one. And he said, I'm a Gourley. So yeah, you and I have been through thick and thin, Sona. We have traveled the globe. We've been in lots of scrapes. Gourley... Uh, Sure, I love the guy. I feel a little bad that I said it so quickly.
1: You said it so, you didn't even think about it first. Yeah, we could
0: probably in editing add more time and then add like a different voice that's clearly not mine going, hmm, this is a tough one. Ah, I have to think about this. And then slow down, me going, gorly. So it goes, gorly. You know what's
1: sad is is <laughs> Gourley's gonna have to do it.
0: <laughs> Gorley's the one who's not here today. He's the one that's gonna have to do it. Just he to has, save himself. So it goes from who would you between Sona and Gorley. It goes to between Sona Hmm Let me think about it. <laughs> uh I love Gorley. I I, yeah. I I mean, I don't know what's wrong with me. I love to I grew up in a family where we were taught to um to never show love, only the prickly barbs of wit, if you can even call that wit. I think it's just cruelty. Yeah. Yeah. We called it wit. my uh, I asked my brother Nia when I was like five, what's wit? And he just hit me over the head with a clock radio. And he said, that's wit. So that's what I've grown up thinking.
1: <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he taught
1: I, me. I will say it's nice to have Gourley around because when you start to make fun of me, I, then you could just go on a rant about him. It's yeah. nice to have yeah. him deflect. But That's
0: true. I miss him when he's not here. Yeah. You know? All right, what's next?
1: Uh, at Bostonian underscore New Yorker says, Hey, Conan, lots of Americans here, New York, don't really wear gloves or masks or give social distance. How should I distance myself in a full subway train?
0: That's a tough one. That's a, that's a legitimate question. A lot of people are asking. The first thing I would say, I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> this is a serious <laughs> question. This is a question for a health professional. I'm the worst person you could ask. huh But if you're asking what I would do, I think we have the right to ride up in the conductor's compartment. No. No one's ever explicitly said, I've never seen a sign that says you can't ride with the conductor. And if there's a sign that says you can't ride with the conductor, then I listen to it. But if I don't see that sign, I would force my way into that compartment.
1: Um, Anytime I see like train cars empty, it's because a homeless person is usually like shitting in a corner or throwing up or- is there something to that, to shitting in a corner of a subway train?
0: I've never missed more. Moore. Uh, well, I'm going to say this. I don't know. I, I don't know. I would say you can't get on the subway car if you're worried about it. You've got to wait till the subway car leaves and then walk the tracks in the tunnel wearing a dark sweater. Wait, don't do that. Wait, no, what? don't do that. No, no that, don't do that don't do that. Wait a minute. I'm exploring ideas out loud. Don't do them until I've found one I like. You could ride on top of the subway. No, don't do that. Don't do that.
1: How about you just don't take the subway?
0: Okay. Well, that's very entitled of you, uh, Miss Princess. But some people have to take the subway.
1: I mean, are there no other ways to get around?
0: Cabs are very expensive. You are so out of touch. That's the problem. People like me who were down there in the streets... We know what's going on. And then people like you who are living off in, ooh, Altadena, ooh, and you're up in your high ivory tower, you don't know what's happening. A lot of people can't afford to take a cab. I can't believe you're so out of touch.
1: I'm sorry. I mean, I will say I've been to New York with you many times. I have never seen you on the subway.
0: Well, that's because you don't come with me. I have my own subway car. I have a private subway car when I'm in New York.
1: (laughs) That seems like a waste of resources.
0: Well, it's my own subway car. It's wood paneled. Uh, there's a butler. <laughs> what if I had my own subway car at, when, I, when I visited New York City and it was wood paneled and I, I was always drinking like some cognac in there and it was attached to the rest of the subway and it was going through the Bronx or Queens and people were like, what the fuck is that? What's, is that Colonel O'Brien in there? And I was like, well, Hello. <laughs> And I was toasting them all through my window. Hello, Well, you can't get in. This is my private car. What a horrible guy. I don't know, I like him. You like him? <laughs> okay. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsession and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Beckton You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association
3: with Earwolf. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me.